The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, pastor of Dream City Church and leader of the Phoenix Dream Center, Luke Barnett. Well, I'm going to write you a citation for trespassing. I need to see your identification. And I said, I don't have my identification with me. She goes, you don't have your identification? I said, no. She said, that's bad news. I gotta take you downtown to spend the night in jail. So I've been out of my dad's house for one week and I'm going to Anaheim jail for the night. Welcome you to life today. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I are just thrilled to be with you. And we count it an honor that you spend this time with us. Uh, I've had an incredible relationship with Tommy Barnett, who uh, pastored in Phoenix and still does. He's turned it over to his oldest son, Luke. You're going to meet him in a moment. But I actually, you think about this. This is part of what I call the spiritual dynamic of God doing some great things in the, in the, in the family to bring us together. Uh, Baptists, uh, which is where you know, I was led to Christ, and I was kind of, along with Billy Graham, we were Southern Baptist evangelists. And, uh, you know, Pentecostals and Baptists didn't always have great fellowship. It's kind of like Church of Christ and Baptists. They would each group go to seminary <laughs> to learn how to out-argue the other. And that's how they got their degrees. It's just, it's pretty, it's kind of been sad. But the miracle is that I began to watch a process to where Christians and church people began to act more like a family than feuding McCoys and Hatfields. <laughs> and of all miracles, uh, uh, Tommy Barnett really respected me and my outreach and it inspired him. And, and he actually asked me to dedicate the first assembly of God Church in Phoenix, up on a mountain. At the same time, North Phoenix Baptist Church, which was the largest Baptist church in Arizona, they wanted me to dedicate their building. So here is this evangelist <laughs> Miracle of all miracles, dedicating the biggest Pentecostal <laughs> church and the biggest Baptist church. And you know, that, that pleases God. Mm. And I'm watching miracles. And, and this young man, uh, Luke Barnett, who wrote this book, The Dream-Centered Life, he, he's a miracle. And uh, his brother, Matthew, who started the Dream Center in Los Angeles that we've helped, you've all helped support. Uh, he's here and he's now pastor of that church. And it's no longer called First Assembly, it's called the Dream Center Church. Would you welcome the pastor of that church, Luke Barnett, Tommy's oldest son. Thank you. It's great to be here. Your, dad, your dad's you. been here several times, and your brother's been here several times. This is your your first time. You know, you you had to get this Dream Center life before you could come and sit right. That's here right. And, and have the Dream Center Church. <laughs> I want you to tell us the journey that led to the book and about your Dream Center life because. The church is awesome. Mm. And now it's it's larger than ever. Mm. It's expanded to other campuses, kind of like our church where I go, Gateway, mm -hmm. has. And it's it, I, I, to me, I'm looking in on a miracle because I thought no. I was looking on a miracle when I came there to dedicate that church wow. while I'm dedicating this other church and all the people seem to love me mm. and they seem to love each other. Yeah. So are you seeing a church now that looks more like the New Testament church as, as Jesus seemed to envision it? Yeah, well, we are. 
First of all, you need to know my dad loves you, <laughs> Betty, so much. Thank he you. just admires you so much. And uh, you've had a big part in his life. And uh, I think your hearts are knit together because you both are soul winners. Yeah, but we love are. to see people find we the sure Lord. We sure seek to be. But I tell you, um, you know, for many years of my, of my ministry life, uh, I really think I was operating on a, a second-hand revelation from God. When I became a, became a minister, I, I just did what my dad did. And he was a very good role model for me. You know, he reached out to hurting people. He ran buses, did big productions. Really, uh, any, any method to get people uh, inside the building to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we did. We saw addition, you know, we saw God blessing the church, but I was always curious why we never saw that supernatural, why we didn't see a supernatural surge that I was seeing happen all, all, all over America. And um, so when I became the, uh, the pastor of, uh, uh, of Phoenix First Assembly, which was my dad pastored for all those years, um, I, I felt a strong oppression or a, or a depression that fell upon my life during that time. And I, I really didn't have the language to identify what was happening. But I really felt like I, I lacked vision. I lacked, I lacked a fresh revelation from God about what our church was supposed to do uh, in the next 10 years. And so uh, when I was a little boy, I'd watch my dad climb the mountain every day behind the church. And uh, we actually built a little plateau for him halfway up the mountain where he would just go up there with his newspaper and a cup of coffee and he would look over the city and he would, um, you know, receive God's vision for the future of the church. So here I was at a place in my life where I, I lacked vision for the future of the church and I was, now here I was the pastor going to lead this church uh, into the next decade. So I said, I'm going to go for 40 days up on that mountain right where my dad went and uh, I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast for 40 days, and I just desperately need fresh revelation from God. You know, during that 40-day period, God gave me, I, I believe, his God-sized dream. And uh, five things he spoke into my heart on that mountain. Number one, that, and I didn't know how this was going to happen at the time because we only had just the one campus. It was a large campus, but, you know, I didn't know how it was going to happen. But you know, we're going to reach 50,000 people with the gospel of Jesus Christ in the next 10 years. Mm. That was the first thing that I heard. And, you know, I didn't debate with God about that. I just received it by faith. That's okay. Uh, second thing was we're going to be a multi-site campus. We're going to have, we're going to take the gospel into different cities all across the Arizona. In fact, these days, what we've been saying is, why can't there be one state in the United States of America that's known as a Christian state? Mm -hmm. Why, why wow. can't someone dream that big? I mean, there's a state known for Mormons, Utah. There's a state known for, you know, uh, for entertainment, California. Texas is known for oil and millionaires. You know, why can't there be one state in America that's just known for people who love Jesus? And so we want to be that state. And so uh, we want to plant a prevailing church in every city of Arizona. That's what God showed us, okay? The third thing was that we're going to, re we're going to reclaim the arts in the church world. We're going to be the arts wow. hub of the state of Arizona. Wow. Now, we are already pretty good at that because we do a Christmas production that has 17 performances and 75,000 people attend mm -hmm. the production every year. So we're pretty good at that, but um, we're, we, we were going to put that on steroids and use the arts <laughs> to reach people with the gospel. Fourth thing was we were going to rebuild the front of our church for the arts and build a beautiful lobby, about a 25,000 square foot lobby. You wouldn't recognize the church if you came back today. Wow. Along with that, about an acre and a half 
power parasol outdoor lobby, uh, solar outdoor lobby. That's all completed today. It's all done uh, four, four years into the, into the dream. And the last thing was we're gonna be debt-free by the year of 2023. So back in 2013, when I got those five uh, kind of messages from the Lord, um, I found out that our church was gonna be 100 years old. <laughs> in the year 2023, in 10 years. Wow. So we said, this is what we want to see accomplished by the year 2023. So that's what what goals are. Goals really are just statements of faith. Mm -hmm. Just like, I believe this is what God's going to do by by this time period. So we laid all that out. Today, we have four campuses, not one campus. Four years later, the, the lobby is all complete. Today, we are the arts hub of Arizona. People know Dream City Church as the, they don't know Arizona State University or U of A. They know Dream State Church as the place where all the arts happening in, in the state of Arizona. And uh, we, it's just so much fun. I, I always tell young pastors, you can live your life on a secondhand revelation from God. God honors obedience, but you're not going to enjoy the journey nearly as much is when you see God using your life and, and your ministry to really impact God's kingdom. You know, and you know, because your dad set a good example and because it was a good thing going, it would have been very easy just to fall in and follow. Mm. But your dad also showed you something else that I know him well. Tommy, I love you, buddy. <laughs> and you and I have chased and pursued Jesus together a lot, knowing he's always been after us. And you just, I love you, my friend. You, you know I do. And Matthew, I love you and the whole family. But you you could have settled there, but there was a lack of what you called a peace and a, a real contentment. Mm-hmm. There was something there that caused you to pursue. But you didn't pursue somebody else's vision. You didn't even go looking for what others were doing. Right. You went back up on the mountain in the presence of God to hear what he wanted That's you right. to do. So what you're saying in this dream-centered life is it's really beyond our dream or our vision. It's suddenly capturing his vision through us for his kingdom purpose. Does that make sense? That's exactly right. And everybody can find that. They can find his dream for them, not just their dream because he does care about their dreams. He cares about everything they care about because he cares about them. But if they get caught up in what's on his heart, then they become a fulfillment of what's on his heart. And there's no small part in his heart. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, I was thinking as you're talking in the Old Testament, the way God communicated with his people was he spoke to prophets and the prophets got the clear revelation from God. And then when they would communicate to the people, if the people listened to the prophets, things went well for them. If they didn't, things didn't go well. So, you know, I ask young people these days, whose job is it today to get a fresh revelation from God? And the answer is, that's our job. Every single person who follows Jesus, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they, and they follow it. Not just pastor sheep, not just prophet sheep, mm-hmm. all my sheep hear my voice. And so I believe that God's created every single human life uh, with the capacity to uh, hear God's dream for their life and then Absolutely. heed that dream. We can all go into the presence of God and get the dream-centered life, and it's actually his dream through us for his purpose, yeah. his kingdom purpose. That's right. That's exciting. Well, you know, the best title for the book is The Jesus-Centered Life, because reality is <laughs> when you fall in love with Jesus, everything begins to make sense, and that's when he really reveals the dream. But, you know, I, I was, uh, again, thinking as you were talking a moment ago, at some point, I think every 
person has to have that moment of self-awareness where they say, wait a minute, this average Christian life stuff really isn't working for me so much anymore. There's something missing in my life. There's a part of me that's dying every day because the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they, they keel over and die one day. Mm -hmm. It just means that they, 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 don't, they don't sleep as well as they used well, to. Life and, perishes. Yeah. The real meaning yeah. for life, it, it ceases. It's yeah. in existence. And at some point, I think everyone has to have that moment of awareness where they say, I, 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 I want God's vision for my life more than I want food, you know. And um, I, I want your dream that bad. And when you pay the price and you come out on the other side of that seeking and praying and fasting and solitude, and you say, I got a God-sized dream, that's when life begins. You know, we were visiting with, with Luke and we know that you, you had some things happen that kind of stunned your dad. You had an experience at, of all places at uh, Disneyland. Why don't you just tell everybody so we can understand what preacher's kids <laughs> go through to kind of have an awakening experience since you went the trouble to share this it. story will give great hope to every parent who's praying for their kids <laughs> so I was uh, I, I was a sheltered kid you know raised in you know preacher's home and never got into any kind of trouble growing up and uh, so I went to Southern California College or Bible school a some as a God Bible school everyone knew who I was you know in in the Bible school because my dad pastored the largest church and they said as a God and so I was supposed to be the, the role model mm -hmm. you know for this whole thing and so but stuff rubs off you know that the people we, we hang out hang out with it, it rubs kids. off yeah <laughs> that's right so I was a baseball player and I played in the baseball team. Most of the baseball players were not Christians. They were recruited into the college. So one night, one of them had an idea. Um, why don't we go sneak into Disneyland at two o'clock in the morning while it's closed and just see what Disneyland looks like, you know, at two o'clock in the morning. I said, I'm not going to do that. You're crazy. Well, about an hour later here, I found myself scaling that wall, that ivy wall, you know, and uh, we get inside Disneyland. There's three of us and we're walking around and there, there's no one there. We go to the Pirates of the Caribbean and all the lights are on, but no one's there. We walk through the Haunted Mansion and, and nobody is there. And so we figure there's no one in this entire park. And so we start walking on the main streets and all of a sudden a, a, a security guard and a bicycle comes over the hill and says, stop guys. And we just, we scatter. And I found myself hiding out on that safari ride, you know, with the big hippopotamus is right in your face there, you know, and within, within five minutes, there's a hundred security guards, you know, all around us. They finally capture us and they take us into a little uh, security shed there and uh, they call the police and uh, the police lady walks in and she's interviewing me and she says, um, well, I'm going to write you a citation for trespassing. I need to see your identification. Uh -huh. And I said, I don't have my identification with me. She goes, you don't have your identification? I said, no. She said, that's bad news. I gotta take you downtown to spend the night in jail. No. So I've been out of my dad's house for one week and I'm going to Anaheim jail for the night. So they put me in this cell with uh, three of the biggest guys you've ever seen in your life. And when I was a freshman in college, I was 110 pounds. I, I grew really late, you know. I look like I'm about 14 years old. And so, you know, I, I walk in the cell there and these three guys are talking about why they're in jail that night. One guy looks all banged up. He's kind of barroom fight. And another guy says, you know, domestic abuse, you know. And another guy had some, you know, big story. And then they all three turn to me and say, well, why, why are you here? I wanted to say, you know, mass murderer or, you know, lie. But I had to tell the truth. 
I said, I just want to see Mickey. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but I spent the whole night in jail. And, um, you know, uh, the next day, it took me down to see the judge. And, and the judge said, Mr. Barnett, sneaking into Disneyland wasn't as much fun as you thought, was it? <laughs> Time served. Can I tell the back end of that story? So a, a year later, I'm sitting in my dad's home, and we're having, we're having dinner. And he says, out of the blue, by the way, I heard about what happened to you at Bible school because no one ever told him. And I didn't ever, never told him what happened. Mm -hmm. I was afraid to tell him, you know? And so I said, who told you? He goes, I know these things. I said, well, let me tell you exactly what happened here because you need to hear the whole story. I told the whole gruesome story. And he started laughing. He said, you just spilled the beans. I didn't even know all that. You just, you just told the whole story. I thought, you can't pull anything. He was just kidding anything. around with you. Like, yeah. I heard what happened He had no idea. I, I just told Sounds the whole like story. Tommy. That's right. You can't hide anything from him. He's spooky. I think that for everybody to understand the, the beautiful story of a, of a, a young man who did have a father, who does have a father, who really loves Jesus and loves people. I count him one of my very best friends. And I mean, to say we have journeyed together and stood together would be almost an understatement because of the love and respect we have for one another. But here is an incredible story. It's still being written. But what's happened in Luke's life and has continued to happen is an inspiration for everybody to discover the dream. Would you say thanks to God and thanks to Luke for sharing and pray for him his leadership at the Dream Center Church uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Luke, you're going to appreciate what you're about to see. And I want to say to all of you, the, you, you know what a great scientist told me recently? He's worked with burn victims. He said, James, we have a very difficult time raising funds to help burn victims. Because if you show people the children that have been burned, they immediately turn the television off or change the channel. They can't stand to look. And I said, you know, I found, I told him this, I said, I found people tend to want to turn away from what they don't want to see. And sometimes when you hear pain, you can look away. But here's what I want you to know. Every sign of need that you hear and feel, we have the perfect answer for. I'm not exaggerating. And believe it or not, you are, yes, you are. You're a vital part of that perfect answer. So listen beyond a cry and hear the heart of God and the heart of missionaries. You can hear the children crying in this malnutrition clinic, but I've been here too many times. I've seen this too many times. The ones that scare me are the ones like this little child that don't, they don't have the energy anymore to cry. In fact, to breathe is almost impossible. The two-year-old child that weighs less than 13 pounds that has been here for well over a week. A mother who walked from a village to bring her child out of absolute desperation because this child is, it's dying. They've had to wrap the little child's hands up because its, it's skin literally is falling off its body because the body starts to shut down. So his little skin, if he just grabs on his skin, it just tears. This is a reality for way too many mothers in these areas. 
This child is not lying here because of some terminal disease, something that requires a massive investment in years of medical science. No, this child is lying here dying because we didn't do enough, because we didn't get to their village in time, because we weren't able to take a bowl of food a day, something that costs so little, and yet does so much. It heals the heart of a mother. It saves the life of a child. It wins the battle against malnutrition and death. I wish I could be hopeful and tell you that I believe that this child will make it, but I don't. Because children, when they get to this condition, most times don't leave these clinics. But it's not too late for tens of thousands of others that so desperately need your help. You've been listening to Peter Petoris's son, Isak, uh, one of our best friends, weeping over the children of his, on his continent. And uh, he said, I'm tired of burying our children. He said that to me years ago. And there he is looking at a situation where he says, I don't, I don't actually believe this child's gonna make it. But I got good news. Beth Moore prayed over a child like that and heard they're not gonna make it. But that child made it. And not only made it, but went back and played soccer with Beth Moore a couple of years later. So that's what love does. Esau's just being very honest. He's saying when they reach this point, and that's where they've gone to intravenous feeding. That's where they've gone to all desperate measures. And you say, James, who, who makes those clinics possible? You do. That's all part of the mission outreach. We don't have time to discuss every aspect of it. But part of what you give goes to that point of desperation. But what we're asking you to support in mission feeding is feeding 400,000 children that were like those that you saw at the end. Those actually were on the way to recovery because they've been coming to the feeding centers to the feeding areas where we've set up for all these hundreds of thousands of kids. And that's what we've been asking you for years to give 30, 50, or $100 to feed three, five, or 10 children for the next months. And it works and it changes everything. It saves their lives. So this is what we're asking you to do right now. We're asking you, if you would, just go to our website. You can see it right there on the screen. I want you to go to that website, take your bank card, and make the gift God puts on your heart. Or you can dial the number that's always there as a prayer line. You have a need, broken heart, you want someone to share, you want someone to pray for you or with you. That number's there for you. Right now, it's a lifeline. And I want you to take your bank card and I want you to be an answer to the need of children like that child. And so many, hundreds of thousands that won't get there if we help them, they're gonna have everything changed. Six months turns everything around. We're able to get them back on their feet. We're able to send them back healthy, help their families and get them back on their feet. And it's miraculous what happens. And we've been doing it for years. It's effective. Right now, we need to hear from every one of you who can possibly help. 30, 50 or $100, whatever it is you can do. We have some gifts we're gonna send you. We're gonna send you Sheila Walsh's book, how you live through the middle of the mess we're in, it's phenomenal. And if you make a gift of $100 or more, 
We're gonna send you the most unique cup set you've ever seen. You're gonna get a cup that when you put your heated drink in it, it's gonna rise and shine. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to watch, but it's inspiring you to do that every day because God told his people to rise and shine with his glory on them. That's what we're doing. We also want you to know the missionaries have told us they've got to refurbish our largest food processing plant where we make all of this food mixture that we're able to take out and distribute. It's got to be refurbished, expanded a little bit. It's going to increase their ability to produce even more food rapidly. So we need a $200,000, uh, let's say, support right now. 216000 they tell me. I'm praying 216 people will make a gift of $1,000. We'll send you that beautiful, beautiful eagle, the determined eagle. So would you please right now go online, call that number, take the bank card, and just make the gift God puts on your heart. Please don't put this off. Lives really do depend on it, and it really does work. Love does not fail. Thank you for sharing it. In impoverished and famine-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face death by starvation. With your support, you will help feed and care for children in crisis areas of Sudan, Angola, and Mozambique. With Africa facing ongoing food shortages and drought, we urgently need to replenish supplies and come to the aid of 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of 30, 50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider an additional gift to help provide critically needed upgrades to our food factory that will increase overall production by a staggering 50%. This is a $216,000 challenge above our normal feeding budget that could help save even more lives. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you in the middle of the mess. In her new book, Sheila Walsh brings insight to knowing the peace and presence of Christ in the midst of life's inevitable messes. With your gift of $100 or more to help feed and care for 10 children, we'll send you Sheila's book plus the Arise coffee mug. This heat-activated mug reveals Isaiah 61 each time you fill it with a warm beverage, a wonderful way to begin your day. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request our Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Well, Betty and I mm -hmm. both just say thank you so much. And we say that on behalf of the missionaries and the family members and the children. Uh, we'll be sending you uh, Sheila's book if you'd like to have it. Some of you would say, could you send us Luke's book? I just feel like I, I need that. I want it. Uh, you want it, we'll send it to you. It's in the bookstores. You might uh, suggest it to a friend or even get one for a friend. But you help us help those kids and you say, would you please send me that book, The Dream Center Life? Yes, we will. Join me and Betty and saying thanks. Tell her uh, thank you. Thank you. Give your dad, your family, our regards, and the whole church family. And thank all of you for watching. Thank you so much for helping us share life every day.
Ambassadors for Life are people like you who see need in the world and want to do something about it. Contact us to start a fundraiser today and change someone's future. Tomorrow, Sheila Walsh shares hope to anyone overwhelmed by struggle or pain. In the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.